What is going on, everyone? It's your guy Cole Jackson here with the first episode of the What the Flock postgame show. We'll be bringing you reactions and analysis following every single Baltimore Ravens game this year here on Two Guys Watching Football. If you're excited for this series and you're looking forward to these post games, click that like button and hit subscribe so you don't miss your way back for more episodes. Before we get into it, we want to take a second to say a huge thank you to the sponsors of the what the flock post game show it's our guys and gals over at lee's pint and shell located right in the heart of baltimore lee's is game, day with their game day specials stop on by for uh raven's game day for four dollar 32 ounce bud light drafts 15 dollars Michelob ultra buckets 12 dollars Medela and corona ponies buckets and 20 dollars white claw buckets there's something for everyone be sure to check it out i might just hop the border next week so i can get down there we'll be dropping all of Lee's and Lee's Pite and Shell's info in the description below. Be sure to check them out. And remember, they're your go-to location for Ravens game day. And now over to my post-game co-host. It's Adam Bonacorsi. What the flock is going on, my man? You know, I'm not sure if I'm wiping away tears of exhaustion from my eyes or frustration or what's going on, but I keep keep hitting the corners here because I'm just a little uh I'm a little whipped after that game tonight. I gotta say it's hard to do an ad read when you're sad <laughs> i <laughs> feel like it just read. doesn't have the same impact but it's a sad read now <laughs> so we're here we're gonna recap everything that happened uh heartbreaking loss 33 27 the ravens go down in vegas um you know it's it's gonna be tough to to find some positives but uh you know let's take a general look at things how are you feeling about today's performance adam um not great. Uh, you know, trenches are, are an issue for me. Some of the play calling was suspect at best. Um, I, I just uh, I don't feel very optimistic. And it's still early, right? It's still week one in the NFL season. We can't look at this game and, and change our expectations. And say, oh, it's 0-17 for the season. Just like if they had won convincingly, we wouldn't say we were definitely going 17-0. and um, You know, this this Raiders defense is, was a Gus Bradley defense, right? And I think uh, I think we tend to forget what he's done to this offense, and it showed once again today. So uh, overall, just ugh, just I, I want to go take a shower, <laughs> just wash the dirt off. No, it's it's one of those things where I mean everyone knows my background. I'm a trenches guy through and through. When you don't win in the trenches on one side of the ball, you're going to be in trouble. When you don't win in the trenches on either side of the ball, I mean. It's it's amazing that they were even in the game. I think that's probably an optimistic spin on it. Like the fact that we were in the game when both there was no pass protection and no pass rush. Not at all. I mean, it's not one of those things where you know we can hang our hats on that, but it, it's at least something to consider. I mean, and that's the impact of Lamar Jackson, right? Like we're gonna get into him when we talk in the about the offense. Um, but it's the impact that a guy that can be an MVP can have on your team. He can make those plays. He can bust, you know, a 28 yard run. He can hit uh, Sammy Watkins on a deep 49 yard pass. Like it, it, those are the things that an MVP does. And that's what keeps a team like the Ravens in the game. So let's start off with the, with the coaching. So I'm going to start off with Harbaugh. I don't think there's a whole lot to say about him. I thought he was aggressive on fourth downs um, in the right situations. Both were fourth and ones. The offensive play calling was not good on the second fourth and one. Overall, though, clock management seemed good. Decision-making seemed good. I don't really have any qualms on Harbaugh. No, not at all. And um, pardon one second here. Um, so 
I didn't necessarily have problems. I saw, you know, some people getting a little snippy about usage of timeouts towards the end of the game. Realistically, you're not going to stop the clock to give the Raiders more time to figure it out. In hindsight, yeah, of course, because, you know, that's that's where your head's going to go at that point in time is, oh, if we would have known they were going to score. Well, you don't know they were going to score. I, I didn't have any problems with how I used timeouts. Um, in terms of the, the play calling, though, how, how do you feel about that, especially the, the offensive side of the ball, if we're going to talk about that for play calling? Uh, looking at the play calling, I guess what I had a hard time with is they just, it, the, the, the identity of the Ravens never seemed to kind of pop out in this game. They, uh, um, they, I think we lost Adam. We lost video contact. Um, the, the identity of the Ravens never seemed to pop through, you know, they, we saw a lot of play action trying to get into the passing game. Uh, I think they were trying to use uh, things like pulls on the play action, power play action, that type of thing um, to try and get, uh, um, try and get the, uh, the defensive line off their backs, off Lamar's back. And uh, you know, it didn't really work, but you know, they, they never got into their identity of pounding the rock consistently uh, even on play like drives where they had a couple successful runs. They seemed to go away from it. And uh, you know, we've, We've talked about this before, and if you look at the carries at the end of the game, it was they they rushed thirty four times, they threw thirty times. But what's going to happen is when you break that down and you remove right, Lamar Jackson scrambles out of the carries, it's going to drop the play calling. Uh, like you know, there's going to be there were more called passes than runs, which isn't necessarily a problem. It was more about trying to get a feel for the game, and I think that's where people have the biggest issue with Greg Roman is you know when the run was working he kind of stopped and that that was early in the game. You know, Tyson Williams was doing some good things out there. Where did he go? He had eight carries um, in the first half, I think. And then one in the second half, like where, where did he go? Um, so, you know, it's just, it's kind of the same old story with Greg Roman. Uh, there's things he does really well. I think he's a great offensive play designer, but when it comes to play calling and, and flowing through a game, this is just a great game where you can take it as a case study of where he loses sense of that flow. You're muted. <laughs> you are a technical problem today. <laughs> Iron out the F8. I got it now. Um, I, I would say, and I, we kind of mentioned, or I mentioned this to you before uh, we jumped in here, but um, they brought the house tonight defensively, right? We're talking about coaching. When they brought the house tonight, it just seemed to burn them every single time. And I, I wish I could pull back through, and I'm sure we'll go watch it later. And uh, a painful replay of the game, but um, there were a couple third down plays where uh, Wink brought the house and Derek Carr just dunked it right over the top of them. Uh, and then obviously, you know, towards the end, for the end of this game here, how that worked out for them. So um, that was a little bit concerning, but what are you going to do when you can't get past rush consistently with four men? Uh, and then you try to bring somebody else in. I mean, we'll get into it a little more with the, the breakdown, but of the three sacks the Ravens had, how many of them were actually just a four-man rush? And how many of them were in the pocket? Yeah. And, and here's the thing about the defense and the blitzes and the cover zero. And it's kind of the opposite problem of Greg Roman. Wink has an identity. That is his identity. He's aggressive with his blitzes. He uses blitz designs to create free rushers. And, you know, you live in black. Like Kyle Andrews just tweeted, you live and die with the blitz. And it's not that, you know, it means like he's criticism free, but... I'm not going to fault a guy in a high leverage situation for 
sticking to his identity. And that's where I give him credit over a Greg Roman, where he knows his identity. He knows the identity of this team is to be, you know, a power football team, ground and pound. And he goes away from it. And he gets all pretty out in the flats with the screen passes, but Wink knows who he is and he sticks to it. So obviously this is a good example of how it didn't work, but more often than not, Wink's calling a good game and he's getting results. Um, You know, there's, we're going to get into it with the defense. I don't want to jump into it, but it's pathetic that this D line could not get any sort of pass rush against an offensive line that had 64 combined starts going into this game among all five guys. Like, well, I mean, that was before they lost a starter, right? And they lost Denzel Good and Jermaine yeah. Illuminar went in. But before we get it, we're going to start with the offense. We're going to jump into the defense. Adam, you tweeted something about shucking. What were you talking about? So, Cole, I'm going to tell you what I'm shucking doing this Saturday. Uh, I'm going to head over to Lee's Pint and Shell uh, for shucking in the streets, and they're going to be celebrating over 50,000 oysters shucked down at Lee's, which is a huge deal. Uh, you know, if, if you're an oyster fan, Cole, I don't know if you are up there. I'm a huge oyster fan. Um, you know, you would absolutely love this event. So you pay your $10 entry fee. It goes all to, you know, proceeds go to charity on that. And then you get yourself a nice full day of great drink specials, uh, there's going to be live music by Head Rush and Crushing Day. And God, I've known Crushing Day's been been around the market for a while, been around the Baltimore area for a while. They're they're good stuff. And of course, you know, on top of all that, it's just going to be so many shucking oysters. So, uh, you know, if you're out and about this weekend, Saturday, make sure you make your way over to Lee's uh, from 12 to 10. Uh, we'll be out there, rain or shine. Whole event's tented. It's going to be a great time. Let's go. And can you put maple syrup on those on those oysters? For you, I will try. all right so let's get into the offense and credit us what a seamless ad read like we are crushing the ad read game today um let's get into the offense let's start with the man the myth the legend lamar jackson we're always going to do a little bit of a spotlight on him um this is one of these games that reminds me of the first couple of weeks in 2020 where you know half his passes are pressured and then the other half are he looks kind of unsure of himself but they're not but there's no pressure and this speaks to that fundamental relationship a qb has with his offensive line even when the pressure is not coming you're gonna have jitters if you're not getting the protection phantom footsteps right that's it and so it's one of those things where and i'm sure that the the people are going to be out there that people are going to talk about the fumbles and fumbles aren't good but both fumbles came on lamar trying to make chicken salad out of chicken crap and so it's one of those things where yeah, it comes down to fundamentally playing the game. You have to protect for your quarterback. I, Mitchell Schwartz had a tweet the other day, and the tweet was the three most important things. Number one was protecting the football, winning the turnover battle. Everyone knows that. You lose a turnover battle, you're in a bad spot. Number two, protect the quarterback. Um, you know, guy played offensive tackle for a long time. He probably knows what he's talking about. Maybe. Um, but it's it's just like it's it's one of those things where it gets frustrating watching the quarterback because you see him get antsy with no pressure and so people are like well why is lamar you know moving around and scrambling well he's scrambling because you know the previous four plays he had to you know scramble you know move in the pocket he's getting hit um so you know that's my take on lamar jackson he did what he had to do to put his team in a position to succeed um i thought he played pretty well he had a couple of bad throws that that outlet pass to tyson williams uh that was incomplete that one was really off the mark he threw it into patrick ricard's feet uh on out of that 
play action out of diamond. So, I mean, there, there's some plays, but overall the, you know, the full, I think he put them in a position to win this game. Uh, you know, he hit, he hit Sammy Watkins with that deep ball. Um, he had the scramble that got them down into scoring territory. So he did what he had to do to win this game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he ran a pretty seamless two minute drill to get them down there um, and put them up, right? It's not Lamar's job to jump out on the defense and, give up however many yards they get, what, 40 yards or whatever, 45 yards on a couple chunk plays there. Um, I can't fault the guy for that. And so kind of to your point about that relationship with the O-line, Lamar was 19 for 30 on the day, but even a handful of those incompletions, and I won't say all of them, we'll say five of them. I would say five of those incompletions were with a pocket collapsing and his arm getting hit or a ball being deflected because he had guys in his face. I, I can't remember the exact number to to the end of the game, uh, but by about halfway through the fourth quarter, I think it was 48% of his dropbacks he had uh, pressure. That's a lot. So, and the thing is, it wasn't coming from one spot, right? You know, I, obviously everybody kind of pointed out, you know, Alville in the way of it right out of the gates because that first series was brutal, but it wasn't just coming from that side. It was coming from everywhere. And, you know, credit to Max Crosby moving around and, and finding – his way into the backfield pretty steadily, but it wasn't just Crosby. Again, on their side, everybody was having success getting into the backfield against Lamar. And when you're constantly under that pressure, like you said, it's you're going to start hearing those phantom footsteps coming at you. You have an internal clock typically that's now shortened, and in your head you're one, two, maybe not even getting to two before you start feeling like you got to get that thing out of there or else you're going to get crushed. Um, it kind of is what it is, unfortunately. But, you know, you lose – Tyree Phillips early and I don't think that necessarily hurt it doesn't help right and I'll let you speak more of that on the O-line because it's that's not my bread and butter like it is you so I uh I, I don't think it was a massive drop off there when they put powers in maybe I'm wrong um but I feel like the tackles were the biggest issue yeah, I think uh, left guard, generally speaking, there was one sack. Ben Powers was on the ground, but that was really the only play that well, stood out. And they're that touchdown from uh from Murray too. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and I mean, what the one guy that I'm crediting right now, and he would get my well, I'll give offense player of the game to Lamar, but if I was giving a second one. Well, that might go to Sammy Watkins. Or Mark. Anyway, <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? The, the guy that played the best on the O-line was Bradley Bozeman. Flawless game, great snaps. Uh, he Did anyone notice him have a bad play? I didn't. Um, even on that Lamar scramble, uh, I don't know if this was a communication or a design. I'm going to have to see it in all 22, but he took off and made a lead block on Lamar's scramble, the one that went for 29 yards that got him, got him down the field. Um, so, I mean, Bradley Bozeman played phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so let's get that out of the way. Stanley looks like he's not, you know, his legs aren't under him. He does not look as quick off the ball. No. Uh, Yannick had his way with him with a speed rush. Um, not necessarily. I guess here's my thing. I always have expectations going into these games. I really didn't expect Stanley to kind of be at 100% in week one. I mean, he's down for a long time. He's a big dude. He needs to get in shape. Uh, he also needs to just get his game feel back. Uh, Villanueva was terrible in the first drive like it was bad like bad bad um his set point was too shallow he kept setting on the inside shoulder of the defensive end which was max crosby um you know he got a little bit better as the game went on and then he kind of fell apart again in the fourth quarter so i mean not a good not a good performance absolutely not um it's probably going to be the highlight of my o-line breakdown uh but you know zietler had a bad game too and he kept getting or sorry i'm supposed to say zeitler someone yelled at me in the comments um zeitler had a bad game too and uh 
that's Canadian, by the way, Z versus Z. I say Z. We'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, you know, he was getting driven back. Uh, you know, the, really the only spot they didn't have a lot of pressure coming without a blitz was that left side. And the difference that I saw between the Ravens O-line and the Raiders O-line, the Raiders O-line knows how to pick up a blitz. The Ravens O-line doesn't seem to have a clue. Um, and that does factor in the running back pass protection. Tyson Williams was terrible in pass protection. It literally just happened on the last play in the game where Lamar fumbled. Yep. Um, you know, tight. And this is the thing. Everyone's blaming Alejandro Villanueva. As an offensive lineman, you're taught to read inside out. They brought Carl Nassib around the right edge behind Crosby. Crosby cut in. That's creating a free rusher. We see Wink Martindale do this every week. Uh Villanueva followed him inside and was expecting Williams to pick him up. That's not a bad play by the offensive tackle. And I'm not just saying that because I am an AV fan. That's just fundamental offensive tackle play. Um, Williams has to pick up that block and Williams read it. He just missed the block. So, I mean, this is where you're going to get into maybe that's why he's not playing. Maybe that's why they had Murray in there. I don't know. Maybe switch them and let Williams run the ball and Murray do the pass pro. I don't know. I'm not an offensive coordinator, but. You know, so that's my take on the O-line. Uh, you know, what do you think of the receivers? Because, you know, Brown and Watkins had me pretty excited. So I will say before the season started, I had mentioned that I think I said I think Watkins is going to end up being Lamar's favorite weapon. Now, take two things into consideration. Favorite wide receiver. I don't want to take that away from Andrews, but take two things into consideration here. One, we're not going to see Bateman to me at least October. And, you know, they given the timeline, people said, oh, after week three. Well, that's him getting back to the practice, right? And then I think they're going to give him a couple weeks to get acclimated. I don't think they're going to say, all right, you're, you're good. All right, get back out on the field. You know, he's a rookie. It's going to take time to acclimate. So by the end of the year, could he be the guy? Maybe. But I think Watkins has already started developing this report with, uh, with Lamar. And, you know, obviously Hollywood had a great day today. Um, but, but Watkins is there, right? Watkins is reliable. And when we've had other veteran receivers out there, Lamar tends to gravitate that way a little bit. So he showed well today, right? And he used his speed. Uh, he was able to find separation, sit down when he had a big old hole out there to, to sit down in. I liked what I saw out of him. And then obviously, Hollywood's a great compliment to that. You know, I, I really today can't put one over the other. They both made some very exciting plays. Uh, they both showed some soft hands. The touchdown by Hollywood was fantastic. Um, Watkins was like a shoestring away from getting one of his own too. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's good to see that, right. A, a good compliment to Hollywood and not, you know, no disrespect to Willie Sneed, but a Willie Sneed kind of guy out there. And I know some people were a little frustrated wondering why we didn't see more of a crochet out there because, you know, camp heroes, that's what you want to do. But, uh, it was more of a wife fix. What's not broken. These guys showed well, they played well. I'm, I'm really not upset with anything they did. Yeah, that's how I feel about the pass catcher group too. Uh, Mark Andrews was a little bit invisible, but you know, to be fair, Lamar overthrew him on that deep ball. His stat line looks a lot different if that's you know on target and brought well, in. And the drop too. Yeah, and I don't want to even call it a drop. It was an incompletion. But if Andrews <laughs> holds onto that little tighter, yeah, um, then that's an extra you know ten twelve yard chunk right there as well, and that would have kept a, a series moving as well. So, uh, yeah, big big difference between a you know, three catches and twenty yards on ten. I'm sorry, on five targets. I was looking at his long uh, on five targets, but two of those you know little change here and there. Those could have been four out of five and, and pick up an extra forty yards or so on that thing. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's how I see it. So, I mean, you know, a bit down, but not necessarily the end of the world. On the running backs, um, like I said, felt good with Tyson Williams. Thought, you know, he showed good contact balance. Uh, Latavius Murray looks slow. Uh, there's no better play than that uh, horrible fourth down call by Greg Roman to, to 
Like it was terrible. And you're running it out of, out of pistol. They're, you're just giving the defensive line time when they're playing in tight, high leverage, you know, you know, they're going to run it. Why not at least have an option for Lamar to have it? Anyway, it's just like, it's stuff like this where it's like, I pretty critical with Roman, but I usually have right. a pretty positive spin, but you see stuff like that. And it's, there's no way you can be positive. Um, you know, this looks like Tyson Williams is the best runner. Uh, Trenton cannon looks just like justice Hill where he can bring like that play got called back because of Eric Tomlinson, but it looks just like Hill gets, gets, gets space out on, uh, gets space out with speed and he makes a play. And you know, that's, he's going to bring, He's going to be fine. Cannon made a bunch of plays on special teams. I thought he played phenomenal uh, in his role. Looked just like Justice Hill. Running back three, we're good. They need a running back two. I don't think it's Latavius Murray. Uh, no offense. that the, the touchdown was nice, and I, you know, it's good to get a touchdown. Yay. But, uh, I mean, he also went untouched. Nice blocks. Uh, Powers yeah. had a nice combo block. I think his dad just unblocked me to yell at me, so I'm going to look for that when I get back in my mentions. But, uh, you know, what do you think of the running backs? Well, first I want to say I feel like a lot of this, and I'm sure you'll agree, a lot of this is predicated on the O-line gelling um, because I think that that can change some of this run play. I think, I don't know, I I think that the the offensive line changes a lot if they were, well, we have one starter from last year that played an entire 16-game season for Baltimore, and he's not even playing the same position. And one guy staying in the same place from last year on this offensive line, he missed most of the year. So there's a lot of that that'll change things. So, but with that said, I feel like you want to talk about the running back group and kind of driving back towards tight ends a little bit. Nick Boyle and Gus Edwards are missed big time today, big time. I just, I, it cannot be understated. I mean, just the pass protection right there and the ability to pave lanes out there that these guys weren't able to do today. I really do think a, there's there's something to be said about the talent, but I do think it's a lot about repetition and working with the same group of guys. There's been so much change in the last two weeks that it's really like starting preseason all over again for a lot of these guys as far as getting used to your unit and who you're running out there with. So I think it'll change, but I'll agree with you. You know, obviously Tyson Williams, Tyson Williams looked great uh, when he was running the ball out there. I'm comfortable with him out there. Um, I'm willing to give Murray a little bit more time, but I think next week we'll see either Freeman or Bell called up as well and get them some touches. And then they'll start to make our, an A versus B comparison and then maybe an A versus C or B versus C with the three of them and figure out who the right fit is for this offense. So um, we'll yeah. see. I, I think it'll take some time there. No, perfectly said. I think, I think it's Tyson Williams, your main runner. I think you have to leave this game uh feeling that way and then you know they're gonna have to figure out the rb2 situation it's not gonna be canon that's not his role special team change of pace get him out in space uh but they're gonna need a running back too i mean it was clear as day tonight uh they're gonna need someone that specializes in pass pro that's gonna be you know an interesting spot where you can get freeman or bell up to uh to see them in that role um but before we get into the defense um you mentioned something about a rockfish tournament. We have more events going on at least. So, you know, what was that all about? So, first of all, we, you, I, I don't know how it works up your way. Y'all have rockfish up there, or is it something a little different? What are you What are you guys fishing for up your way? We, I mean, in the St. Lawrence. So, the St. Lawrence connects to Lake Ontario, which separates you and me. So, when you yell across Lake Ontario at me I'll when you're in tomorrow. upstate yeah. New York, <laughs> I, if I if you float on down Lake Ontario, you go into the St. Lawrence River. St. Lawrence River flows all the way down to like the East Coast out into the Atlantic Ocean. Right on nestled right in there is Brockville, Ontario, born and raised. What up? Um, <laughs> right on the St. Lawrence river. I see New York when I wake up in the morning. Um, yeah. 
And we, you know, a lot of bass fish, a lot of pike, nothing right. that exciting. So tell me about these rockfish. So rock are beautiful, man. It's a big thing down here. I go rock fishing a couple times a year. Uh, and actually, Tiki Lee's will be hosting their third annual rockfish tournament this weekend. It's Friday and Saturday this weekend, which is pretty cool. And it's uh, sponsored by Riverside Marina, Life Med Institute, White Claw. Uh, 1800 tequila, Captain Morgan, and 1888 not junk. So, you know, again, rock fishing is a huge thing down here. It's a weekend long tournament. I say weekend, Friday, Saturday. Um, you're going to go out there, you're going to fish all weekend when you enter the tournament. First place is 125. Uh, there's my first slip up on a read $125,000. Uh, no, it is not $125. If it was, I would not be fishing. But for 125K, I'm going to go make some friends with some boats. Um, so, this weekend, you'll have uh, the weigh-ins on Friday and Saturday. We'll both be at 5 p.m. It's emceed by Mickey Coachella. And then you'll have Justin uh, Schlegel from 98 Rock uh, morning show down there as well from 1 to 4 on Friday. And then we're also going to have a bikini contest on Friday. Uh, that's at 7 o'clock. And it's a $2,500 first place award. See, I got that one right that time. And then there's a belly flop contest as well. That one's on Saturday, $500 for that one. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I think we flipped the two. And then we do the, the belly flop contest for 2,500. And then let's see if we can't get like, you know, Brandon Williams out here or uh, some of these big dudes on the offensive line, maybe get Ben Cleveland out there since uh, he's a fan favorite and let him do the flop. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a great weekend. Um, and again, uh, rockfish is a huge deal down here. I'm a big rockfish bites guy, rockfish tacos. We'll smoke them, we'll fry them, we'll do whatever you want to them. So uh, if you get a chance to get down there, whether you're entering the belly flop bikini contest, you're coming down for any of the, the live local personalities uh, definitely go down and head out to the uh, Tiki Lee's rockfish tournament this weekend, man. Tiki Lee's Lee's pint and shell. Absolutely crushing it. Uh, I mean, huge. I'm saying, Cole, think about it. you go Friday, go out and, and do this rockfish tournament all day. You know, maybe I'll enter in the bikini contest and then Saturday you head over to uh, pint and shell and then you just go ahead and, and shuck all day long. And then you show up Sunday game day. You're getting, Cheap buckets, cheap booze. You get to watch the Ravens take on the Chiefs. Like, and God bless it's a night game because it gives you all day to recover from a long weekend already. Exactly. And then Monday's rough. Um, <laughs> so let's get into the defense. So I'm going to start critical issue. The, 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 the defensive line I tweeted, and I'm going to go receipt myself so no one else can do it. Um, th that defensive line should have ate. Um, they did not eat. They no. absolutely, they're not invited to the, to the belly flop contest because their bellies <laughs> are not full eating. Um, it was pathetic. Uh, I'm going to use the word. I'm going to use the P word. I'm sorry. I'm going to use the P word. Um, I thought it was terrible. Uh, just no pressure anywhere. Uh, you know, the, uh, they did stop the run. I'll give them that. You know, I can always count on a Ravens defensive line to stop the run. Uh, they were quite good in that, that regard. I mean, Jacobs average, like, 3.4 but i mean it, it's kind of like every every game you know they, they just went into drop back mode car through the ball 56 times went for 435 yards he was sacked three times one of which was a beautiful play by justin houston so credit there houston made a hell of a play excuse mm -hmm. my language heck of a play to get that sack and um you know uh credit away he had a nice chase down um and then there was another play where uh who was it patrick queen Patrick Queen. And so, I mean, they made some plays, but that's three sacks on 56 dropbacks. They only had seven QB hits. The pressure numbers are not going to be good. Nope. Um, it was a lot of stagnation. A lot of, you know, I, I thought Matt Abike was going to have a, 
you know, a, a, oh my God, that's just a Matabike game. Uh, I don't even know how much he played, but it wasn't enough. B-Will looks terrible off the line. Uh, Broderick Washington, they had lined up at the five tech a few times. I don't know what they were thinking there. Um, you know, it just, it, it looked like the same old thing. It's it's either, it's a four-man rush that just goes nowhere. And, you know, it's these guys like Hunter Renfrew, you know, getting space, getting open. It's a guy like Waller who crossing route ends up at the other sideline because that's how much time he has to run his route. And it's, you know, it's kind of the same old boring thing. And then you end up blitzing. And then when you blitz, you don't have the dogs back because Marcus Peters is out. Jimmy Smith is out. And that's what I was saying the other day. It's not that the Ravens don't have depth to cover for Marcus Peters. It's that this defense is designed by using those blitzes to stress their secondary because their secondary is so good. But when it's just not healthy, it's just not as good. I mean, we're missing, you're going from a lineup where you can kind of put Smith and Peters out on the edge. And then you just leave Humphrey with Waller. If he's in the slot, then he's on him. And if he's not, then he's on Renfro and you take away their two best options because you know, you have dogs out there that can hunt at corner, but instead we got Averett and Westry or Averett and Humphrey's out there. And then you got Stevens in the slot. It's just not the same thing. So, you know, that's really where I came away. There's no pass rush. The blitz just doesn't work the same when you can't have that secondary to back it up. No, not at all. And I think you know, with the pass rush for me, I was looking for some one-on-one wins, and I just didn't see those. I didn't. You know, OA's sack was a great sack. It was a great chase down. You can really see that speed that he has, but it wasn't in the pocket. It wasn't like the pocket collapsed and OA won his battle. It was car retreated as the pocket was starting to move, close, and OA chased him down. Great sack. Again, I'm not taking anything away from him. But that was kind of it for the night, right? You're getting plays on Queen coming up on a blitz. But as a four-man rush, you can get nowhere. Nothing was happening up front. And this isn't a this week problem. This isn't a every once in a while problem. This is a consistent problem. And it seems to not matter who the personnel is. Um, it just seems like they can't figure out how to get this pressure. And you know, far be it for me to say if it's a coaching thing, if it's a personnel thing. It seems to me the more you change the personnel and the results don't change – um, it's kind of hard to put it on them necessarily. And look, again, you have a way out there. Houston's not that long, what, two weeks here with the team, two and a half weeks with the team right now. Uh, granted, he did get that great pressure. And I think he just got a little excited when he saw the whites of Derek Carr's eyes. You know, he opens his arm up like a bear and he couldn't get him wrapped around him quick enough. Uh, and McPhee comes in and cleans yeah. it up. But um, but yeah, the, the, the pressure is just not there at all. Um, and, and then kind of to go to the secondary, you know, I, I thought the safeties played great. Um, I liked what I saw out of Chuck Clark. I really did. And Elliot had a couple big plays out there too. Uh, Chuck Clark was all over the place. Um, but I- I'm ready. It's week one and we're doing this now and I'm ready to step off my, uh, my Westry podium here. Um, I will step down off the high horse. He did not look good. He had one good play. He did. He had one good play against, I think it was Brian Edwards. Yeah. Um, and it was great. And honestly, it could have been better because if he would have turned a quick, you know, split second quicker, he picks that ball up and, and turns it over. And he's going, you know, the Ravens are going the other way, like the five yard line. Um, but everything after that was was woof. And then, you know, the the big play in overtime. And granted, the Ravens got lucky and didn't do anything. Uh, the Raiders didn't do anything from that one yard line there. Um, but again, Westry screwed that one up. And then obviously, you know, the eventual game winning play uh, and coverage getting mixed up there. So, He's concerning. Averett wasn't terrible, but I don't know. Is is he as, as uh, great as, as Wink is advertising this year? I don't see that. Um, I think he's serviceable. But, again, you made the point. If you have Jimmy out there, it changes. If you have Peters out there, it changes. You won't get Peters back. Sounds like you'll get Jimmy back in a week or so. 
hopefully that helps change up a little bit out there in, in the secondary. Um, but one of the things worth noting, kind of big picture here, is if the Ravens don't like a guy or Ravens think they need to improve another area, they literally have no money to do that. None. There's nothing there. Yeah. I mean, we've gone over the numbers um, with a few of these guys out there on, on the Twitterverse, and there's there's nothing. There's nothing they can do. You are stuck with the roster you have, barring some back-end changes. So either got to figure it out and grow up real quick, or they've got to make some schematic changes to you know kind of base it around what they have right now. Yeah, no, and it's it's one of those things. I think, you know, the injuries suck, and the, the crappy thing about the injuries happening before the season is you're always going to have in-season injuries. So, I mean, you know, they're already down some key guys. There's there's going to be more. It sucks to say. I don't like saying it. I'm not hoping for injuries. I'm not, you know, wishing for injuries. It's just the reality of the business. Um, you know, there's going to be more injuries. Guys are going to get banged up. Guys are going to miss weeks. Exactly. And, uh you know, it's, it sucks. You know, one thing that I thought the defense did do well, um, and, you know, I don't know how much this is going to get talked about, but the way they played Darren Waller, I thought was really darn good. He had 19 targets. That's got to be close, if not a record. I don't know. He had a first half record. Um, he had 12, 12 targets in the, in the first half. Of those 12, I think he only caught four or five of them. Yeah. And they held him to 10 catches on 19 targets. Like, yeah, he had 10 catches, 105 yards, and a touchdown. But on 19 targets, that's like it's just over 50% catch rate, which isn't typically a gold standard for, you know, a pass catcher. So, right. I, you know, and how did they do it? They used a bunch of different combinations. They used – if he was out in the slot, it was Marlon Humphrey giving him the one-on-one. -on -one. They used Tybo chipping him. They used McPhee chipping him as DNs. They used Stevens on him sometimes. They had linebackers on them. Uh, they had Chuck Clark on them one-on-one. -on -one. They just, so what they did, and this was one of the things, you know, when we were talking about it last week, it's like, you know, who's, who are we going to put on Waller? You don't put one guy on Darren Waller. You show him a bunch of different combinations and, you know, it, it, it worked. And yes, he did have some drops in space, but you know, how much was that, you know, him getting chipped and then trying to get into his route, throwing off his rhythm. Like you can't discount. And they, they made him a focus and they dared other guys to beat him. And those other guys were at the end of the day are who beat them. They did not lose this game because of Darren Waller. No. They lost this game because of, you know, a Brian Edwards catch and then a Zay Jones catch That's for right a touchdown. Right. And yeah. it's, it's those guys were the killers and it's, inability to make plays on those other guys because you're so focused on Waller, but that's what Waller does for this offense. Um, so, you know, I thought they played Waller well. I thought it was one of the, you know, bright spots of the defense was the way they right. played them. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think we got to give credit there. Um, overall, you know, moving into next week, if Jimmy Smith's not back. You know, they just went from, you know, trying to cover Waller. Now they're going to have to do the same thing to Kelsey and, oh, great. They have Tyreek Hill. So that's fun. Um, so it's just, you know, who's going to be on Hill if they're going to be using Marlon in a similar way. And then if Marlon comes off Kelsey, you're stuck with someone else on him. And, you know, you just, you kind of see where those key playmakers and having them out, a guy like a Marcus Peters that can make a play on a ball is it just, it kills this team. Oh, yeah. um, so the, the injuries suck. The injuries suck. Yeah. I mean, and if we're going to look ahead a little bit to next week, I think that, I think the, as much as we're worried about the KC offense, I'm still worried. And I'm not – I'm trying to, to tiptoe here and not say, you know, be too disparaging. It's not that I'm worried about the KC defense a ton. I mean, there are definitely some playmakers out there. Um, but I'm still worried about the offensive line. And realistically, you know, we every year it's like, oh, they need to get into a shootout, right? Now, they don't. 
But what you don't need to do is go out there and have your offense lay a duck, especially when you need them to because the line's struggling right now. And, you know, the mesh points are a big issue right now with the running backs. And you're still trying to figure out who is going to be, you know, carrying the rock more than whoever else it may be right now. So I think there's a lot of questions on offense that worry me with any defense right now. And when you're playing Kansas City, even if the Ravens defense can stifle them just a little bit, I, I don't think it's going to matter if the offense can't find any sort of a rhythm here. And I, I think that might be it, right? That That's kind of the big thing for me. The offense had bright spots. There was no rhythm at all today, yeah. none at all. And it was almost like that whole, like, they think we're going to zig, so we're going to zag. And I, I don't know, though. It just felt off all day. You know, you look at this thing and, hey, they're going to come out. And there's no way they don't run this ball. And then they throw three straight passes and, you know, punt. Like, what are we doing here? You oh, know, yeah, it's, you're it's, you're it's, absolutely it's, nailing it. And that's what I'm talking about with Roman's identity is they never got into that kind of rhythmic moving the ball and it's, you know, runs with efficient passes moved in. It, it seemed like they were constantly trying to set up those play-action deep shots. And it's not that those play-action deep shots aren't part of the offense. Of course they are. They were in 2019 when this offense was dominant. They were in 2020 when they got humming. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that. It, they get away from that ground and pound game that identify like that's their identity. That's what the Ravens offense was. And you know, it, it, it is relevant that they went away from the option concepts. And so I saw a lot of people being like, why would they do it? These guys are professionals communication at the mesh point when you're running options, especially with the way they run the veer, whether the quarterback and running back are going to the same place. IDN who's the read man. Those are very tough. You know, you're reading a guy literally two feet in front of you and it's not the same as a zone read where you're reading the backside guy. Um, so, I mean, it's, 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 you have to be clear on your communication and, and your, uh, your IQ there. And so it's going to take a while for that to come together. Uh, we saw it in 2018 when Lamar Jackson took the offense over, there were a number of fumbles off the mesh point. Everyone was talking about is Lamar Jackson fumbling too much. Well, if anyone has any knowledge of how you coach the mesh point, obviously the quarterback has a role in it. I'm not saying he doesn't, um, but it's, it's a communication between the two players. It's that whole, I'm handing you the ball and you're taking it. And all it takes is one guy to have the wrong read. And then, you know, the ball's on the ground. So I think that's why they avoided it tonight. I think they're going to try and get some more communication. Um, It's going to have to come because, you know, it, it is a pivotal part, but um, you know, what I found they struggled with uh, specifically on offense and where I think they need to come out and do this because this is what I saw um, the Browns do a lot is they need to go out, they need to go under center and they need to just run down their throat and, you know, get the big boys up front to get some movement in the run game. And that's how, that's how Cleveland did it. It wasn't even zone with Cleveland all day. It was, they had a lot of pullers. Um, they were running a lot of power O to the play side and, you know, it worked and Chubb, chub eight and if they think they're going to come out and just go play action on a kansas city offense or defense even though they didn't look that good against cleveland they didn't look that good because they were running the ball down their throat and keeping them on their heels that's how they're going to beat the kansas city defense so i mean the offense is going to score we know what's going to happen there run the ball control the clock keep Mahomes off the field that's the best you can do get back um, to your identity getting getting out there and just trying to set up the play action deep shots I just don't think it's gonna they're not gonna have the success that they're looking for no. um they gotta come out and run the ball and it was clear as day in their last few matchups um you know everyone talks about abandoning the run but even when you look at some of the some of the plays on the first couple of drives in both those games the last two games against Kansas City um there were opportunities to to run the ball straight up the middle and it th- things like options, RPOs, 
um, and they just didn't execute them. So that's what they're going to have to do, in my opinion. That's my forward-looking, you know, I don't really care about the whole 0-2 thing. It doesn't matter. We play Kansas City next week. Come out and play Baltimore Ravens football and, you know, take care of business. I don't want to hear all the whining and crying about, you know, we're down in the dumps, you know, the season's over. There's a game next week, and the Ravens are going to have to come out and try and win it. So Watkins, Watkins and Houston, we'll call it a revenge game. That gives a little extra, little extra something-something to it, right? Yeah, yeah, I hope so. I you got to take something. You got to find week, a way. Week one, Watkins into a week two revenge game. And, I mean, week one, Watkins went almost 100 yards, so you love yeah. to see it. <laughs> love to see it. Anyway, friends, that's all we have for you today. Um, be, be sure to check out Lee's Pint and Shell. Huge thanks to them for sponsoring the show. Ton of events going on at both Lee's Pint and Shell and Tiki Lee's. Um, we'll drop all of that down in the description so you guys don't miss it. A lot of fun events happening in Baltimore this week. Um, you know, if you guys enjoyed today, if you're looking forward to this series, click the like button and hit subscribe. This is going to be your number one spot for post game shows in the Baltimore Ravens community. It's the two guys watching football show. Be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. Peace.